0: to invite up our guest speaker tonight, a dear friend of mine and a New Philly staff member and the executive director of media and tech, tech, I don't know, fancy gadgets. Um, let's welcome up Pastor Joel Kim. <laughs> All right, how you guys doing? Man, it's so good to see your beautiful faces. I want you to turn to each other and say, I think you're beautiful. Turn to the other person and say, I think you're, you're just okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. Man, I just want to say a, a quick word even before I begin my message. Um, um, I've been preaching at Emmaus now um, at all the campuses, but this is where I got my start. <laughs> this is where um, last year on springtime, um, you know, I, I've never preached at Emmaus before, but Rona took the risk of asking me to come and preach at this campus. And so I feel like this is almost like a homecoming for me. I've got a special affection and feeling towards SNU. And, um, and yeah, i got an exciting message for you guys tonight. Um, um, but before I do give my message, I want to rub it in the mic and say, I think SNU, you guys are the smartest in the campus. Yeah, come on. I'm just speaking the truth, you know. Soul National. All right. Man, what a semester, huh? You guys were blessed this semester? And I've been hearing so many stories of of just God's fire falling upon this campus. Already, like, I'm in this worship, and it's completely different than, like, last spring. I mean, last spring was great, too. I mean, God, God was here. Um, but I'm saying, like, God's just doing a fresh new thing uh, this semester. And I'm here, and the atmosphere is just at another level. Um, the people, are, I mean, there's more people here. Um, um, there are people who are... Um, I just see a spirit of worship on people here and I just feel like, yeah, like God's doing something awesome here. Even before, um, Arona gave that prayer, um, invitation just to pray for people. You don't know for them to come to know the Lord. Like that was on my heart in the back. Even before she said it, I was just like, man, this man, you guys, that's what you guys are called to do. Like, I really feel like you guys are called to take over SNU. Like I, and it'd be so awesome to see like next time I come back, if I get invited next time, if, if this whole room can be filled. Man, last time I was here, it was only up to like the third row, but now it's like up to sort of third row and a half, you know, fifth rows, but man, it's crazy. You never know what can change within a few months, within a half a year, and, um, I maybe mean, that's a word for some of you guys. You guys maybe are struggling with some things, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this funk. I don't know if I'm ever going to um, overcome this fear or overcome this addiction. I don't know if I'm ever going to love the Lord like I should love the Lord, but I'm telling you, like, God can do so much within time. And then six months later, I'm telling you guys, you guys will be, like, at a completely different level. And and sometimes, like, God just does stuff. And I want to encourage you, like, you just, um, um, yeah, like, God can do so much just through time, and I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, even right now, like, the Lord is going to lift you out of that, he's going to break you out of that, he's going to break you through, all that stuff, and you'll look back, and you'll be like, man, man, things change, things can change, within uh, a certain time period, anyways, I don't know if that made any sense, but, um, but that's just an encouragement, I wanted to give, but, um, but yeah, what a semester, God's fire, you know, just not over, not only in this campus, but the other campuses as well, and, um, this message that I felt led to give tonight, uh, it's a message that's very dear to my heart. It's a message that I feel like um, a specific calling to give. And so, I don't just share the message anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that doesn't really make much sense. If I'm called to give it, why don't I share it everywhere I go? But um, it's like I, I share it like only in like very special occasions. That's what I'm trying to say. And... I feel like you guys are ready to like, hear a message like this, especially to- coming towards the end of the semester, and you guys have experienced the power of God, and you guys experienced the fire. And what I want to give to you tonight is I want to give you a message that will help you sustain the fire. I want to give a message to you that will help add more fuel to the fire that you have for the Lord. Amen? And what kind of message would I be talking about? I put an Instagram yesterday, and you guys are like, what is he talking about? Like, What is this crazy thing? Tonight, I want to give a message on the end times. How many of you guys have heard a message on the end times before? Okay, some of you guys did. Uh, maybe you will not hear the end times portrayed like I portray it today. Um, but I believe we are living in the end times. Um, I believe that the return of Christ is drawing near. And I believe we need to take that seriously. Uh, we can't dismiss that as something that has nothing to do with our generation. But actually, as you will see as I progress with this message, it has everything to do with our generation. You see, the end times is not just a fad theology thing that we can just kind of, you know, um, have fun with or just think of it as some sort of futuristic idea. Like, we need to be walking in the mentality. We need to, like, we need to have a strong end times belief and a strong end times vision. Um, what I'm trying to say is that you need to have a strong vision for what's going to come. Because to be honest, if you guys ask yourself, I bet a lot of you guys are not quite sure what's going to come. I mean, you know the basics. You know the, the generalities that Jesus is coming back. But if you're honest, that's probably all that you know. <laughs> like how he's going to come back. Like what's it going to look like? Like we need, as believers, it's so important for us to know and, um, and accept and acknowledge and own up to the reality of his return. Because when we have a strong vision for the future, it says in um, Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen. When, where there is no, you guys don't have to turn there, I'll just read it for you. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Like if you, if we don't know what's coming, if you don't have a strong vision for your life, like like we don't have anything guiding us right now in the present. You guys understand me? Like when we have a strong vision for the future, when we know what's coming, then what that does is it actually gives us more motivation. It gives us more zeal to... Um, run hard after the Lord right now in our current stage. Amen? Because yeah. I don't know if you guys ever thought or if you guys ever asked yourself this question, what's the point? What's the point? I mean, you guys, some of you guys are new to the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys have been baptized in the Spirit the first time this semester. Praise God. You know, that's awesome. Um, I've, I've walked in, in the anointing of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. I've, been, I've walked in for over a decade. Okay, I've been in many places you know, where people get, you know, hit with the fire of God, people slain, people manifest. I mean, I've seen every crazy thing you could ever imagine. I've been in places where grandmothers run around with capes, you know, you know, it's just like, I've seen it, I've seen it all. And you're going to get to a certain point where like, it's great, it's great being touched by God, it's great being touched by the fire, and like, you'll get to a certain point where where you'll ask like, man, what's the point of all this? We just do this week by week. we come in, Holy Spirit come, you know, you get little shivers and, and uh, you get convicted to read your Bible more and, you know, maybe witness to one friend and, and just back and forth. And you're going to get to a place where you'll eventually run kind of dry. If you don't know what's come, if you don't know that there's a purpose for all this, if you don't have the urgency that you get because you know what's coming, you're just going to run dry and you're going to start growing, you're, you're going to become disillusioned. That's what that's what that's what this verse says, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. When you don't have a vision, you cast off restraint. Because at a certain point, you're gonna ask, what's the point? And then at a certain point, you're gonna be like, ah, oh, what the heck? And you know, maybe I can miss one Mayus meeting um, per month, and then that'll leave the two per month. Three, but Rona would never let you; she'll hunt you down. <laughs> but like, but like, um, it's like, man, that's that's what can happen when you don't have a vision. And so it's very important this message for us that we know what's to come. It's very important for us to know and, um, and, and really tangibly understand um, the, the return of Christ and that we are living in the end times. And I just want to say that growing up as a believer, I don't know about you guys, but I've never really heard messages about the return of Jesus. The only thing that I've heard growing up, I mean, I was a pastor's kid, so, I mean, my dad was a pastor. <laughs> I, I pretty much grew up in church. I, I honestly don't remember any time in my life where I wasn't saved. I, I try to remember back. I, I don't. I'm trying hard. Like, I don't. Like, even when I was a little kid growing up, like God was my imaginary friend. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> but like, I, I'm just being honest. I'm not boasting, okay? Like, I, I honestly don't know any time in my life where I feel like I wasn't saved. And I don't know what it feels like not to be saved. Um, I had moments where I doubted God's existence, but it wasn't like anything serious or anything. Um, I would just work my way through the, my doubt. But my point is, growing up as a believer, I've been through Christianity. I'm 31 now. I, I, I walked through this thing. Like, I've never heard much messages about the return of Jesus, other than, oh, just know that he's going to come back. He's going to come back. It's like one of the lines you use in prayers or, you know, or you throw in a sermon here and there. Um, Maybe that's not just me, but if you ask yourself, how many of you guys have had that kind of upbringing where that was something very foundational to your spiritual formation? Your blank faces tell me all I need to know. (laughs) Even when I went to seminary, I mean, you would think seminary would teach me well, right? You would think I went, that seminary would, would, would teach me the good, a good theology about the end times and eschatology. Eschatology just means a study of the end times. It would teach me all that stuff. And um, I went to a very prestigious seminary, at least many mainline denominations consider prestigious. And when we, when we approach the book of Revelation, honestly, guys, I'm just being very real before you, I don't remember anything from the class other than the fact that Jesus wins in the end. <laughs> like, that's all I got out of it, you know, and... So, like, it never really held a strong place in my heart. And the thing is, that's just, that's just not my own, it's not only my experience. I feel like it's experience for many of us. And that's experience for the church as a whole, when we look at the church all across the board. We see a church lacking a strong vision of the end times. And you know what? That's the goal of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to be aware that Christ is returning. He wants to keep you in a place where you're just religious, where you're just coming Sundays and you're coming to your small groups and, you know, you're just getting high off the spirit of God. Um, he just wants to get you a place where you're getting high off worship, but like, but, but not Jesus returning, <laughs> not him coming back. Oh, no, 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 that's a little too radical. He's trying to keep us from living lives of purpose, the purpose that can only come when we know that, man, there's a point to this, that one day Jesus is coming back. And uh, do I want him to come back? You know, do I, do I um, have a desire in my heart? Ignorance is the devil's greatest weapon. It really is. If you think about it in every area of your life, he just wants to, keep, he want, take, that, he wants to take that knowledge out of you. Um, and we're seeing it even in culture today. We're seeing it in the, in the movies about um, the future coming out these days. I mean, Star Trek, you know, um, Oblivion. I mean, that was kind of an older movie, about a year ago. The Edge of Tomorrow, Hunger Games, right? Hunger Games, you know, Dystopia. You know, Katniss, okay. Um, Interstellar, oh yeah, we just, we just talked about that. Star Wars, like we have so much, a flood of sci-fi movies coming out. And like, I mean, it's fun. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm a big movie fan, and I love all those fans. Like, I mean, I love all those series and everything. But I mean, one time me, I live with Pastor Marcus and Pastor David on. Uh, we, we're hanging out in an apartment, and one of the things we love to do, we like to watch movies. And uh, we were watching a sci-fi movie, and all of a sudden it hit me like a lightning bolt. And I just began, this epiphany, this revelation just came upon my heart that, man, like, as much as we're enjoying these movies, like, the enemy, he's actually doing this. He's actually using these types of movies to give people a false sense of the future, a false vision of the future, you know, a, a sense that, hey, we are, hu- we are humanity, you know, this is mankind. We're going to aspire one day to build starships and, and, and go to galaxies and conquer galaxies and things like that. Like, there's this false sense of the future, um, as long as he takes, takes us away, out of our mind, this idea that Christ is going to return in this, in, in this generation, maybe in the next century or so. Do you guys see where I'm coming from? Do you guys see that point? That's powerful. How come I don't, I'm not getting any amens here? <laughs> Sorry. I'm like demanding, say amen to my powerful revelation. <laughs> but like it really hit me. I was just like, dang, because I'm just, I'm, I'm so much like that. I'm a a very idealistic person. I'm a very futuristic person. Like, I would love to see the day where, like, you know, my my car, I press a button and my car starts flying and, and, like, I could beat traffic. And I'm I'm super stoked about the hoverboard they made recently. Do you guys know that? See, I'm more futuristic than you guys are. (laughs) Like, I love all that stuff. But, like, I just feel the spirit of God upon me saying, be sober about that. You know? Because right now, mankind is living with this idealized vision of the future. That we're going to go on and we're going to... Society's going to get better and society you know we're going to get more advanced and, and we're going to do all these crazy things and the last thing people are thinking about is Jesus Christ that uh, he came once upon this earth as a baby but he's coming back again and it's not going to be anything like his first coming when he comes back again he's going to come back in power in great glory in the skies full, full of like glory have you guys ever seen Independence Day? Yeah. who has not seen Independence Day? raise your hand generation gap <laughs> There's a scene in Independence Day where there's a spaceship, an enemy UFO, like a huge, like spaceship the size of a city. It's breaking through the atmosphere, okay, right across New York City, and you see people playing basketball in the like, cage courts of New York City. And then, and then all of a sudden they like, like they shoot, and then they like, they're like, they just stay there, it's like what's going on? It's because they see a spaceship coming out, like a shadow coming across the land. And when you look at the spaceship, it's like fire is like, surrounding it because it's breaking the atmosphere, and it's just, it's like electricity, you know? You know it's like, it's like glorious. Like, I think that's how Jesus is going to come back. <laughs> that's what the Bible says. I'm not making it up. He's coming back with fire, great glory. Like, God is, I mean, yeah, like, that's what's going to come upon us. But a lot of us were asleep. We don't realize that. Okay? So, um, and and because we don't realize that, what we're seeing also, in just even in the church, we're seeing a watered-down church, as I shared before. We're so much, we're focused, honestly, so much on settling in this side of eternity, in this age, aren't we? I don't know about you guys, but you're, you want to save up money, right? If you're, you know, if you're going to stay in Korea longer, you want to save up your key money? If you're back in the States, in the United States, um, we have something called the American Dream. And the American Dream, I don't, do you guys know what the American Dream is? I feel like you don't even have to be an American to know what the American Dream is. It's this idea that you can prosper, you can have this nice home, you can, have, you can marry a nice wife, have nice kids, or a white picket fence around your home, have a nice retirement fund, and just live, live well, most churches don't have a vision of the eternal Christ, so they just people are just settling back. They're becoming comfortable, and the greatest desire of their lives is to see their favorite football team win the Super Bowl. And that's my testimony. That's kind of my that was that was my kind of greatest desire before. Like God really apprehended me with the knowledge of His soon coming return and how and how and the state of the church right now and the alarm that needs to go out for the church to awaken up from this drowsy sleep. So, um, tonight's message is an important one, and, uh, I want us to be all awake and alert for this, because I feel like it's a message that you're not going to really forget. So, um, before I begin speaking, um, let me actually just pray. Father, I just thank you tonight for your word. Lord, speak to us. Tonight, I just ask for your spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall upon us in great measure. Um, God, I'm praying that my words would go out straight like an arrow, and, and it would hit every heart, um, Father, yeah, be with me. God, give me coherent thoughts to share. Give me um steady, uh, steady uh, flow of logic and, and just a steady stream of words that will, will, that will not hinder uh, the proclamation of your message tonight. We love you. Keep us awake tonight as well from along the other classes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, two disclaimers before I begin. And actually, before I even go into disclaimers, let's just open up our Bibles, if you have them with you. Open up the Revelations, chapter 24, verses 30 to 34. Did I say Revelation? I'm sorry, Matthew, Matthew 24, <laughs> verses 30 to 34. Okay, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read from the NIV version. At that time, the the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus, he's saying, at that time, the Son of Man, he's going to appear in the sky with great power, great glory. And I tried to give you um, an illustration of a UFO crashing into the atmosphere, but if you've never seen Independence Day, it may not make much sense. So maybe you should go back and watch Independence Day. Um, But but God has come back. He's going to come back with great glory. He's going to send his angels by the way, guys, none of this is symbolic, all right? None of this is symbolic. This is, like, actually going to, like, really happen. You guys are like, this is, like, over my head. Like, I can't imagine this happening. Um, but let me just preach it into you. This is really going to happen. And uh, he's going to gather his elect from the four winds, from, um, from one heavens to the other. So I don't know if you, can, you guys can even bother to even try to imagine Jesus coming back with glory and him, you know, calling out. And sending his angels out to carry us and to and to lift us up with him. So, um, I just want to just want to just just put scripture at the beginning of whatever I'm going to share because um, these are the words of Jesus himself. And so, um, I'm going to share a lot of stuff, but just know that um, you know we will be going back through scripture. And I just again I want us to get this idea of Jesus coming back with power and great glory. Okay, completely different from the first time he has come. So, um, two disclaimers. Number one, I am not going to be giving a theological eschatology of the book of Revelation in this message. All right, I'm not going to be breaking down what, you know, what the symbolism means in the book of Revelation. If you ever read through it, you're just like, what the heck? You know, was this guy on like crack or something? I'm not going to be breaking down what the horns mean or, you know, what these different creatures stand for. Um, I do have my own views of that. Um, and there's many interpretations, but I don't want to go into that today. But my goal today is to give you cold, hard facts that will apply to you no matter where you stand in regards to what specific eschatology. Like, this is stuff that I'm going to share with you that, like, you can't really debate against because, I mean, you'll see. It's just very cold-heart factish. Um, the second thing I want to share, this disclaimer, is um, it's easy to get really hyped by what I'm about to share with you. Like, God is about to get hecka real soon in regards to what I'm going to share. But, um, but I just, what I don't want, I was praying this morning, I don't want this just to be fleshly excitement. You know what I'm saying? I don't want this just to be like, a, oh, this is like so cool. It's like, you know, like a TED Talk or, you know, this is so like fascinating, so interesting. Like, that's not my desire. I'm not here to interest you. All right. I'm really praying that through this message, you would actually fall deeper in love with Jesus. That's my one desire. Um, That you would yearn for his return. That a message like this would stir up fresh love and desire for the Son of Man and his reality and his soon coming return. And if your heart is not stirred with greater love and zeal for Jesus... Honestly, I think this message would be hashtag fail. You know, I feel like <laughs> So um, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will like release something upon your hearts, you know, for you to yearn after him and love him more. Um so just understand my heart as I'm giving this message. Like I'm not here just to like interest you guys. Like I'm here to awaken you guys to as we soon come return and for you to be full in love um, with him even more because you're gonna get to see him one day and be with him. Um, so to start off my talk, you might ask me, Pastor Joe. Every generation thought they were the end times. Like, seriously. I mean, like, what makes us any different? And what I will say is that you're right. It's, it's true. Every generation has kind of thought they were the generation. Um, or certainly parts of Christianity through, through the eras, have thought and believed they were the end time generation. But one thing I will say to that is that, but never before in the history of the church, okay? Never before in the history of the church has there been a worldwide consensus. Across every denomination that we are living in the end times. I mean, unless you, unless they're, they're a cult or something like, you know, most theologically sound, doctrinally sound denominations will accept and acknowledge that you know the return of Christ is coming very soon. And so, um, so that's a phenomenon that's actually very unique for our generation. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we're saying we know the date of his return. Okay, I'm not here to tell you what what, what day he's going to come. Okay, please, if I do that, like kick me out of this of this of this room and just like stone me outside um maybe that's a little harsh but um but jesus and jesus himself says that he says we will not know the day or time of his return only the father knows amen, amen. that's only something god knows and so when you, and whenever you see a crazy guy saying jesus will return on, on a certain date i don't care how credible his ministry was i don't care if he's like the world's famous bible teacher if you see a crazy guy saying that that's a false prophet okay you have complete permission just to disregard what he's saying and pray for his soul that God would, you know, just bring him out of the deception because Jesus says we cannot know that day. So I want to establish that. Um, but one thing Jesus says that we will know and that we should know even more important is that we should know the signs of the times. Everyone say signs of the times. Yeah. And uh, you'll see throughout the gospels, Jesus saying his, his, his disciples are saying, Lord, when will we know the, the end? Like what kind of signs should we be waiting for? And Jesus will go on sharing some of the signs. And he'll say, like, you know, my believers, they will watch out for the signs of the times. Like, they will be aware. They may not know the day, but, but just as seasons change, like, they're going to be aware that certain things are going to take place. And he tells us to watch out for certain things. Now, what are the signs of the times? And um, here's a personal list. It's just my own personal Joel Joel list of some signs that I'm convinced in my heart are pretty compelling reasons why we are in the end times. Okay? You guys ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, I believe you guys already. ready. Um, one of the biggest reasons, and the first sign that I would always point to, and I believe more than even being a sign of the end times, it's a sign of the reality of the existence of God, is actually the nation of Israel. Have you guys ever thought about that? Do you guys know your history? Like Israel? Like out of this book that we carry, the Bible, do you know how many nations out of the, out of the nation of, of the Bible are still alive and existent today? There's only like... A, you could probably count them on one hand. And Israel is one of them. Israel. Formation of Israel. you got to understand, the Jews have such a crazy and rich history. Um, Jews are the only people who have been scattered throughout the world... Um, Bitterly persecuted by many powers. I mean, we read about it all throughout. I mean, the Bible itself is like a history book of, of, of the Israel, Israelite people. But even just the past 2,000 years, like we, we see the Jews being scattered and being oppressed, and yet all of a sudden, um, they gather together in the middle of the past century and become a nation once again. It's as a, as a response to the Holocaust, but they come back together become a nation once again. And get this, Hebrew is the only speech in human existence to have been resurrected from a dead language to being a very active and and used language. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, like the Hebrew that that they speak in Israel, it's like the only speech in the entire world, only language in the entire world, an ancient language has been resurrected. Like, even that in itself is like a miracle. The the formation of of Israel, once more. And so, so I believe that the formation of Israel, and they first formed in 1948. um, I mean, if you want to impress other people, you can write down that date. I'm just trying to be a bit more you know, reputable and just credible with these dates, but there, there will be a purpose. Um, even the na- formation of Israel in 1948, um, I, I really do believe that that itself is a big miracle, that God would bring back all the Jewish people from all over the world and, and bring them back to their home country and that the world would acknowledge this home country and that Israel will be formed once again, like the Israel of the Bible will be formed once again, and it's actually a, a real country. And so even, even if people thought back in the day... Um, that, like they were the end time generation, it could not have been the case because, because the formation of Israel would need to take place for the end times. It's one of the key signs, and, and, you, will, and you, know, you will see that through some verses I will call out to you guys. But uh, one, one verse, the passage we just read in Matthew, actually, it says this in uh, verse 32, that, that passage. Now learn this lesson from the thick tree. As soon as the twigs get tender and the leeks come out, you know that summer is near. Many scholars believe the fig tree. It's actually symbolic of the nation of Israel. The Nation of Israel is known to be um, had that symbolism of a fig tree um, th- throughout the Bible, and so, um, so just even the formation of Israel, it's like that fig tree getting ready. You know, it's it's like the fig tree with its leaves coming out, getting ready for that season. And so, the formation itself is it's a it's a miracle. But even another miracle on top of all of that is that when Israel was formed, like I don't know if you guys know history, but Like, were they the most welcomed country in the world? They were like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, they, as soon as they were formed in 1948, they had to battle against seven nations that were stronger than them. I'll call them out there. They had to battle against Syria, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Iraq, Egypt, and Lebanon. Like, they were surrounded on all sides. And, like, these people are just people who just just came back. Like, they don't have, like, establishments or anything. Like, you got to understand, like, the surrounding... Countries, like, they were supported by, I mean, if you combine all the population of the surrounding countries, it was about 40 million people against 600,000 people. Like, just a little bit half of a million Jews in the land. And the Arabs were also professional soldiers. They were better armed. They had far greater financial resources than the Israelites. And so it was like, it was like an invitation for disaster. Back then, there was no United Nations okay, to come in and interview and be like, protect Israel, like they were on their own. But you know what? Israel won. Somehow, miraculously, they defeated all the nations, and the state was formed. So that itself is like a huge miracle, like not only their inception, but also the ability that they can stand up against these countries that have been, that have had the time to establish themselves and have far greater armies. It doesn't end there. These countries continue to attack Israel. And so it's like, oh my gosh, give them a break. You know, they're just starting off. But like, you have the, uh, the Six-Day War in 1967. Six-Day War. And you have the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Like, these countries are continuing to attack Israel. And Israel is far outnumbered every single time. But every single time, they end up winning. They end up winning. And you can tell in the Six-Day War, that war only took six days. <laughs> like, you got to understand, like, Israel was greatly outnumbered. And they, were, they had six countries come against them. But somehow... You know, historians will say, through brilliant military strategy, <laughs> they've overcome, like, tremendous odds, and and, the, and they've defeated all these countries to the point where the countries are like, oh, please make a peace accord with us, sign a peace accord. But uh, historicists may say it was a brilliant military strategy, but I'm saying that there's a favor on that country. I'm saying that God is behind that country, and it was God that led to the formation of that country. And, like... I, I, there's crazy stories actually in the Six Day War of, of uh, Israeli soldiers, like how they experience supernatural hand of God in warfare. Like, there's one story where a troop of Israeli soldiers, they're going across a minefield and they're going very slowly because obviously they don't want to blow themselves up on a mine. So they're going very slowly and, and diffusing each mine as they're going about it. They're crawling. And all of a sudden, this mighty wind out of nowhere just comes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all the mines in that field are exposed up to, up to like the light of day. Like, it's a, there's actually a video reenactment on YouTube somewhere. You see that, and and you see them like on the floor, and then there's a video as it w- winds sweeping away all the dust, you see them like standing up, and they're surrounded by all these mines, you know. But they but they know like where the mines are now, and they're like, you know, they're like, what's going on? Like, guys, that's just one story out of many, one story out of many. But like, God is behind Israel. He is for Israel, and and so like, these miracles in itself attest to the fact that. Like, Israel is, is his nation, is his country, and they, they have a purpose to play. That, that's, they are one of the biggest signs that we are kind of in the end times. And, um, like, even today, nations continue to rage against the Jews. Nations continue to rage against the Jews. I mean, we're seeing what's going on right now with Palestine. And there's a demonic hatred towards the people of God. Because God, he loves Israel. They were his firstborn. They, they were his chosen people. And the, and the covenant that God made with Abraham, he's going to be faithful to complete. He's not going to break that covenant because God doesn't break promises. And, you know, you have a lot of, like, revisionist scholars that say, Israel, they have no longer a special place in the heart of God anymore. You know, like, the church is now Israel. But that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because that just, well, more than anything, that is, a, that, that, is that, that puts the biggest stain on the character of God, doesn't it? Oh, God couldn't carry out that promise. Then what makes what makes you so sure he's going to carry out a promise in your life? Or any other country? You see, God is committed to Israel. He's faithful to his country. And no matter what, he's going to make it happen. Ain't no country's going to get in his way. Like, there's even another crazy story where you guys just recently, just last six months, like, the Palestinians were sending rockets into Israel. And uh, in Israel, they had this Iron Dome system. One time, a rocket was coming, the Iron Dome system was failing to it was funny to, like, deploy. And all of a sudden, like, the terrorists who were sending the rocket, they noticed them, the rocket was coming this way, and all of a sudden it just swerved the other way. It went, <laughs> and, and there's a news report that says terrorists were like, their God is stronger than ours. You know, like, they, they, were, they were so freaked out and scared. Like, there's hundreds of stories like that, I bet, of God coming to the aid of Israel, coming to the aid of his people. And so, Israel, I believe, is one of the greatest living existence for the latest proof. Israel is one of the greatest proofs of the existence of God. I hope you guys are catching that. And that's why we pray for the Jewish people. This is why we pray for Israel, because God loves Israel, and God is determined for Israel, um, for favor upon upon the country. The formation of Israel, it also signifies... And this is kind of crazy too, man. This is crazy. So the formation of Israel itself is awesome. Them beating odds completely stacked against them is awesome. But you know what? You know what begins happening? Jews become start becoming saved during this time. And so while this is going on, while the war is going on in like 1967, the Six Day War, all this, we're seeing a, con- a concurrent movement happening in the states. It's called uh, it's it's called the Jesus movement. It's in the late 60s, early 70s. Any of you guys familiar with the Jesus movement? Okay. Um, it was a great, like, you guys, you guys familiar, like, Woodstock, back in the day, 70s rock, Jimi Hendrix, all that stuff. So it's a time of drugs and, and LSD and, and, like, sex, rock and roll, drugs. Like, that phrase was taken probably out of that, that time. So it was a very uh, morally decadent time in the history of America. And we lost many artists from drug overdose from that time. Do you guys not know any of this? Okay, okay. I'm a old guitarist, so I'm a big Jimi Hendrix fan. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of all these guys, so I kind of know. But while this drugs and rock and roll was going on, a counter-movement of God actually arose during that time called the Jesus Movement, where all these hippies, you guys know what hippies are. All these hippies who were doing drugs, all of a sudden they had encounters with Christ, and they came to know Jesus. And among the hippies, among all these guys coming to know Christ, like, like famous Christian worship artists. Have you guys ever heard of Keith Green? Keith Green, John Wimber, the Vineyard Movement. Okay, all these guys came out of the Jesus Movement, all right? You'll be thankful when I mention these names because contemporary worship came out of that. We wouldn't be singing with rock bands and things like that. We wouldn't be singing that if if, if there was no Jesus Movement, I can guarantee you. Because all that came from that. But while that was happening, all of a sudden, Jews start arising and coming to know Christ. And a new movement, or a a movement that's starting to freshly catch fire, the Messianic Jewish Movement begins to arise. And the Messianic Jewish movement are simply Jews who continue to live a Jewish lifestyle, but they begin to see Jesus as their savior, as the messiah. And so I, I have friends who are messianic Jews, and I have friends who, who their parents were, the ones were, sa- were saved during the Jesus movement. And so while Israel is getting formed and while Israel is being established, and like this is like history like breaking. What's happening is also, is that Jews are beginning to come to know the Lord. Messianic Jews are becoming saved. And it's like, man, why are all these Jews coming to know Jesus? Because this is why they're coming to know Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 11, 25 to 26. Romans 11, 25 to 26. it says this I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery brothers so that you may not be conCeited Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the gentiles has come in and so Israel will be saved and So guys there's a purpose for these for the for Jewish people to come to accept Christ because up until this time up until this entire time period up until this point Jews were hardened to the gospel were they not They were hardened to the gospel but that was something Paul is saying God is doing until the full number of the Gentiles are being saved. Who are Gentiles? They're people like you and I, you and me. They're people who are not Jewish people. And so, so the rise and sign of the Messianic Jews, it's actually, it's actually something God ordained, and it's something that's actually pointing to something, another sign of the end times that we live in, that's happening in our generation. And you know what that other sign is? Because in this verse it's saying that, the full number of Gentiles are coming in, and so God is beginning to now soften the hearts of the Jewish people, which we're seeing. That fullness of the Gentiles coming in, you know, do you know what that's called? It's called the Great Commission being almost being fulfilled. The Great Commission, almost being fulfilled, in our lifetime. And so that's my third point. Third point, the third sign that I believe is indisputable that we are living in end times is the coming fulfillment of the Great Commission. You guys know what the Great Commission is? Okay, Great Commission is the cha- challenge and charge Christ gave to the disciples to go forth from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth to make disciples of all nations. Okay, and so we are actually, we, are act- we might actually be the privileged generation to see that being fulfilled in our lifetime. Can you believe that? Can you believe, like, we are the generation to see what the early church fathers have, have wanted to see all their lives, to see every tribe, language, tongue come to know Christ? And, and Jesus says in Matthew twenty four fourteen, 14, you don't have to turn there, that when the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth, then the end will come. I mean, that's one of the clearest signs there. You can't really debate that. I mean, it's like Jesus, he's, he's saying it as clear out as you can. When the gospel has gone forth to the ends of the nations, the end of the will come. And you know what? We are the generation where the gospel is almost, has almost gone forward to the, end, to the ends of the nations. Like, isn't that crazy? And so, Steve Douglas, the president of Campus Crusade for Christ, he says that the Great Commission, it might be fulfilled in the next decade. In the next 10 years. According to finish the, the website finishthetask.com, there are only 459 people groups with populations of at least 25,000. Only 459 of those groups remain for the gospel to reach 459 people people groups there's more people in new philly than the number of the people groups guys we're about to see the fulfillment of the great commission of the gospel going forth and so even that is like one of the biggest signs that we're coming to the end and even that is a sign that we as a generation we're special other generations cannot claim for themselves but this is we are the generation that's seeing that so jesus is coming back soon even just on the basis of that. You guys see that? Say amen. 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 And so, like, and what's happening and what's so special about this is the role that you guys play in this. Because for, so, for, for however long, for the past centuries after centuries of centuries, God has used the West. God has used white missionaries, European missionaries, to spread the gospel. But now we're coming to a point in time where it's difficult for white missionaries to enter Muslim countries because of, you know, certain... Images, national images, and things like that, and, and uh, aggression towards Western imperialism or whatever. It's very tough for them, um, but it's far easier for Asian missionaries now to go forward in this hour. And so what God is doing in Asia right now, he's, he's, the missionary baton is being passed from the west to the east. Yeah. You guys don't realize, but there are missionaries in China, hundreds and hundreds thousands of underground church missionaries that are getting themselves ready to be sent to, to the nation's they're getting, themselves, they're, getting, they're getting themselves ready to be sent to hardcore Muslim nations, ready to be martyred for the sake of Christ. Not just China, Korea. That's why Korea has such a powerful role in this. Korea is the place where, um, is, is the global leader of prayer. Mo, many people across the world would say that. Korea is the most missionary sending nation next to America for now. And so like the missionary baton has, has been passing and is being passed right now to the east. And so God is doing something powerful in Asia right now. He's calling forth missionaries. He's calling forth um, um, a last push of missionaries from Asia to complete the Great Commission. So this is actually what we're now, we're living in a hot spot of, of kingdom activity. Do you guys realize that? Why do you think that this church is like New Philly here? Why do you think there's other churches here? God is pouring out a spirit amongst us. And like Rona said, it's not just for us to just have fun with the fire. But it's for us to touch people. It's it's for us to spread the fire. It's for us to go forward with our message and change lives to save save people, to save Malaysian Muslims. It's it's for us to go and and complete the Great Commission. Guys, some of you are wondering, why am I here in Korea? Like, I, I just came here to get an education, whatever. That may have been your plan, but that wasn't God's plan. God brought you here to get a glimpse of his kingdom and what he's doing right now in this hour. And he's inviting you guys to partner in it. Guys, I'm here. I came from the States to serve at New Philly because I knew what God's doing in Asia and I wanted to be involved with it. And so catch that. Like God is doing something crazy and he's doing something crazy in Asia and the Great, the great Commission is about to be fulfilled. And so we're, we are living in the end times. And, and, and it's not something that's abstract. shouldn't be abstract from us. It's not something that is, uh, should be. It's something that, should be, that we need to own up to. And we need to run with that knowledge because that's what we're called to do. We're called to partner in the, the Great Commission in, this, in these times that we live in and, and complete the Great Commission. Amen. So even on the merit of just what I shared, formation of Israel, Messianic Jewish people um, arising, the Great Commission being completed, like these are crazy signs already that it doesn't take you to be a theological Wizard to kind of realize, like, oh my goodness, like we are actually pushing the end of this thing. Like things are going to happen, and 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 they have, they have happened. It's just history that I'm telling you guys. But um, but one last thing that I'll share with you guys is that what God says will happen in the end times, it will happen. Is if we turn to uh turn to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. And uh, verses 17 to 21. It says this. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs of the earth below. Blood and fire and bells of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. The beginning of that passage says that in the last days, God's going to pour out His spirit upon sons and daughters, and that we will all begin to prophesy. We will all begin to be filled with the spirit. Now, you guys may be a little young to not appreciate what's going on in the church right now, because 10 years ago, or even 15 years ago, this prophetic stuff, this hearing from God, the signs and stuff like that, that was considered heretical. I don't know if you guys can even, you know, Think of, consider that in your mind. Like when I grew up and I was going to college and I was going to seminary, my dad, he was a pastor, he was like, don't, don't ever get involved in that kind of stuff. That's, that stuff is just weird stuff. That's, that's weird mumbo jumbo. Don't ever get involved in that. And I'm not saying that those pastors don't exist today, they do for certain. But I'm saying that there's a growing movement of the church embracing the Holy Spirit, there's a growing movement of the church embracing the prophetic. Like, I'm telling you friends that when I was in seminary with, they were so close to the Holy Spirit, they were so close to the prophetic word, they were just like, I don't believe in that, that's weird. You know, and they were just really critical of it. When I was in seminary, when I look at them right now, they're moving so powerfully in the anointing of God. They're moving so powerfully, they hear the Lord so well, they had the anointing of God in their lives. And charismatic faith, the charismatic expression of Christianity, it's the fastest growing expression. I think people are coming to the realization that charismatic faith is not just another... A sect of Christianity, it's, it's, not, it's more than another tradition. It's something that should be Christianity. Supernatural is natural. People are coming to the fact that we need the Holy Spirit for ministry. We need the Holy Spirit to, to, to go forward. We need the Holy Spirit for lives to become saved. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever. And so, so we're seeing that word being fulfilled in our midst. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit is pouring out His Spirit on all sons and daughters, and you guys are living proof of that. You guys fill with the fire of God. You guys are able to speak. You guys are able to hear the voice of God. Because I'm telling you, just even a decade ago, that was very rare. Like, I was one of the few in in my state, in New Jersey, that that I was able to walk in that kind of gifting. But, But now God's just doing it everywhere. And that itself is a big sign. And never before in the history of the church have we seen that. I can assure you. There were little, you know, small cult groups that kind of did that kind of stuff but never before in the history of the church has there been a, a worldwide movement towards this, towards the supernatural and the bracing of the gifts that we're seeing right now and so Holy Spirit is pouring out himself upon his sons and daughters and that's the final I'll, I'll, I'll say that will be the final sign that I want to give to you right now. He's pouring out his spirit upon sons and daughters um, man it's crazy the 24-7 prayer movement are you guys familiar with IHOP or the prayer movement, like 10 years ago, IHOP Kansas City was like the only like house of prayer. But now when you search and type in your Google house of prayer, you're like you'll see like hundreds and tons of house of prayers because right now what God is doing is he's pouring out His spirit upon sons and daughters and he's bringing people to a place of intimacy with him. The knowledge of God on a level that we've never seen before or to the, or to the point where teens are, they, they, they would rather spend hours with God than hours on with anything else. And the crazy thing is that, like, this is the most distraction-laden generation ever to have walked on the earth at the same time. And so that itself is a sign, I wonder, God's doing something, guys. He's doing something in us, and he's doing something all across the world. And that, that speaks to Revelation 19.7. Finally, just turn there. Revelation 19.7. It says this, Let us rejoice and be glad, glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Bride has made herself ready. Guys, that's what's happening right now. We are the bride. We are the church. We are the bride. And right now God is making us ready. You know, The bride is making herself ready. We're seeing that in just, in just the, the house of prayer that are spreading up all over the world. We have a house of prayer ourselves, K1, right? Woo! Um, the Holy Spirit moving powerfully. The bride is making herself ready. The bride is making herself beautiful in this hour, this season. And so, God is doing something powerful right now. And he's going to come soon. Jesus is coming back soon. The end times will come. And he's going to come and he's going to rescue his bride. Because even though all this stuff is going on, if we're honest, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world too. The world is growing increasingly wicked and increasingly impure. But... The promise and the and the hope of Scripture is that even though the world is getting worse, what happens is that church, we're gonna start shining brighter and brighter and brighter. There's gonna be there's gonna be a polar opposite sort of disparity thing that, that grows even wider as time goes on. That's what God's doing. And and He's calling us to stand in that place of consecration. He's calling us to stand in that place of purity. He's calling us to stand a place of being filled with the Spirit, intimate with Him of being His bride. And even despite the darkness that's taking place, what I'm trying to say is that church, it's not time for us to shrink back. It's not time for us to be scared or be intimidated. But it's time for us now to shine our light. Amen? It's time for us now to demonstrate the knowledge of God to people who don't have that knowledge. I know when I was talking about some, some Malaysian students and, and you guys had came here with, with your fellow Malaysian Muslim friends and and, and they, they tell you that you are unrecognizable from the moment you first came. And it's like, man, what, what's happened with you? You're so changed, you're so different. And it's because you have the light of Christ in you. The fire of God's burning in you. And they're like, you're not, you're, you're, there's something about you. It's, it's interesting. I'm not saying I want it just yet, but you know, they will want it later. But there's something crazy about you and the light of Christ is shining. The bride is called, it being, it's being called to shine in this generation. So I just want to end on that note That Jesus is coming back soon, and the bride is making herself ready, and that's you guys. And you are called to arise right now. See, you're not called to just enjoy church week by week. You're not called to just enjoy good worship and a good message and just focus on your studies. I mean, that's all important too. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you're called something so much greater, something so much deeper than that. Like Jesus is coming back, he's coming back very soon. You don't have much time left. What are you doing with your life? what are you doing with the fire what my message should be doing to you is should be sparking an urgency in your heart to live with purpose to live with the realization that he's coming back and I, I need to do something with my life right now I need to be faithful to what God's given me I need to act as his bride I need to shine the light of Christ and so yeah like isn't that powerful Right now, um, as great as as being saved is, God has called you so much more than just salvation. God has called you because, in the end, when He returns, do you know what He wants? Do you, want, do you, know, do you know what He wants to do with you? He wants to rule and reign with you over the nations when He returns. When Jesus comes back. We always talk about the problem of evil when we talk about the existence of God, don't we? I mean, I was a philosophy major and that's something you always hit across. But when Jesus comes back, he's going to get rid of the problem of evil. You realize the Bible has the answer to the problem of evil, like straight up. When you when you read about Jesus coming back and the and the weeds and the wheat. Do you guys remember that that parable analogy? So, like the sons of God are the wheat and and the sons of the devil are the weed and and the weed just represents evil and everything. And and the, and the angels are like, God, should we just uproot the weed right now? Weed, weeds right now? Should we just do it right now? Give us the word. We'll do it. And, and God goes, no, no. Because if we do that, we might take some of the weed too. But let them grow. Let them both grow right now. Let them both grow in this season. And then come harvest time, we'll separate them. So there's a message in that. God is actually, he's allowing evil. Okay, the problem of evil, it's a problem. <laughs> it really is. And he's letting it be a problem right now. But when he comes back, and he he says in the Word of God, he's going to send his angels across the earth, and he's going to separate and remove the earth from all that from from sin and all that causes sin. Like God's going to come, and he's going to remove stuff that we're contending and fighting for, like the the ending of of sex traffic of of the sex traffic slavery. Um, He's gonna he's gonna remove um, all that stuff that we're contending for, all the social causes. He's gonna remove hunger and poverty. Like God's gonna, Jesus is coming. He's gonna do that. It's gonna be glorious. So I don't, know about what you, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I've, I've transitioned from a place now where I was unsure about Jesus coming back. Because honestly, like, I was just like, you know, God, I want to get married first. <laughs> Can you come back after I get married? You know, like maybe my children's generation. He's now brought me to a place where I fall in love with him. I've had the fire of my spirit. But all the more, when I look at the world and look at what's wrong with it, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm called to play a part in it. But Jesus, would you come back soon? We need you. We need you so bad right now come back soon, come back soon. And that's a cry in my heart. Is that the cry of your heart? Like, just ask, ask yourself, like, is that the cry of your heart? Do you yearn for the return of Jesus in light of everything going on? Do you yearn for the return of Jesus to come back and make things well once again? And so, I've given my life to be called uh, to walk in something that we call the forerunner anointing, the forerunner call. And as a forerunner, what I'm doing is I'm, I am moving in the spirit of John the Baptist. Because before Jesus came along, we had John the Baptist coming, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Like, the Lord is coming. Come, repent. Um, you know, get rid of your sins. Lord is coming. Get ready. Make a way for the return of the Lord. And for me personally, I've dedicated my life to that kind of message. To whoever I meet, to whoever I get a chance to speak, you know, the churches that have fallen asleep. Guys, get ready. Like, get ready. Jesus is coming back. Okay? Life is more than, like, making a lot of money. Life is more than starting a good family. Like, those are all good. Go for it. But there, there's, there's a point to the end of it. And that point is not your own comfort. It's not your own security. Your point is to prepare yourself. Because this life, what it is, guys, it's an internship. This life is actually an internship. Turn to each other and say, "You're an internship. You you are you're an, you're in an internship right now." That's like a tongue twister. You're in an internship. Say that like five times quick. Um, you're in an internship, guys. The internship of life. Some of you guys, it's like a seventy-year internship, maybe eighty years, maybe more if you get lucky. This is internship of life, where God is preparing you for you to rule and reign with Him in the age to come when He comes in and rules over the world. And for me, like what. I, for you guys, like how are you going to live your lives? Like what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to get it ready? Are you going to live for the things of this world, this temporary stuff that's going to end when Jesus comes back? Or are you going to sow and harvest in something eter- that will last for eternity? Something that will, will uh, that lasts for more than just this temporal age that we live in. Because I'm telling you, this age is drawing to an end. This age is drawing to an end, and a new age is quickly approaching. And that's the rule and reign of Christ over the nations. It's hard for us to believe, but in that day, Barack Obama or whoever is the president of the United States, they're not going to be the most popular person in the world anymore. None of these guys are, but Jesus himself, when he returns on this earth. Yeah. So when you guys die, if you guys die before Christ comes back, you may, you may find yourself up in, up in the heavens with him, but if, you got, well, if, if, you, if we remain alive when he returns, guys, ultimately, down the line, in the end, we're not going anywhere. Like, we are, we're staying here on this earth. Jesus is going to come and renew this earth. And we're going to rule and reign with him. And that's another crazy message for another time. But, um, but I want to end with this. Just, guys, get your hearts ready. Get your hearts ready. Everything that you're, you're going through, everything that you're experiencing in the spirit, it's great. It's awesome. But I want to give you guys a direction, a marker to, to point to. I want to open you guys. Open, I want to see your eyes open to the reality that this is not it, that there's something greater coming. And are you going to partner in that? You know, are you going to give yourself to living a life of purpose yeah. with the return of Christ coming? That's all I'm trying to say. Amen. Let's close. Um, worship than you guys can come up.